How are we doing, everybody? Welcome to the early tea time live stream. I am Hunter Vaness. Our show is pre uh, presented by Fantasy Points. As always, we finally hit on a Willie Z week. We will talk about that here shortly. I'm super excited to welcome on my guest today, my good buddy Phil, also known as Beard of Knowledge on Twitter. You know, we had Scott last week with the mustache. I had to bring the beard, of course, on this week. He hosts the Fairway to Heaven live stream every week where they break down the DraftKings salary board. So I, you know, I had to have him on uh, here today. Uh, he's also, um, you know, one of the first live streams that I was a part of uh, as a guest, too. So he kind of uh, helped me get my start into here. Um, he also hosts a daily show for DSM Media, and he's a huge Philly guy. So if you are a Philly fan out there, he's a great follow on Twitter. Phil, how are we doing today? I'm doing fantastic. It's kind of crazy. I got you. I helped you get your start. I helped BK get his start. I'm getting all these golf, DFS, and gambling guys their start. So it's it's great to actually get to come on one of their shows. You know, the, the people that I've given the start to finally welcoming me back onto their shows. Of course, yeah. I think you know. I was going to ask you too. You probably have been host for a show for quite a few. It's kind of fun to switch roles a little bit here. Um, since you've had me on as a guest so many times too. So I uh, really appreciate you having me or having you coming on. Sorry, we're already <laughs> um, <laughs> mixing it up here. But um, yeah, let's talk about the BMW championship a little bit. Um, kind of want to talk about Willie Z as well. Uh, he finally, you know, finally did it, right? Uh, it's been great. You know, I've, I don't know, it feels good for me, not only because I hit on it, but um, it really just because I've been cheering him on for so long. He's such a, a fun golfer to watch. He's a great, you know, guy outside of golf as well. Uh, so happy to be a part of that one. What did you think of the FedEx, you know, Invitational in general? Um, any thoughts on last week before we dive into oh, this week? Yeah. I mean, first off, congratulations for hitting Willie Z. Like you and about everybody else that was in on him. I mean, it took you 37 tries, but you finally got it right. So even though 37 tries out of one, you know, it does feel good to get rewarded that one time after supporting a guy for so long. Yeah. Um, I had him in my player pool last week. He was one of my main plays last week. I didn't have the guts to bet him just because it's hard to bet a guy that's come so close so many times. Yeah. But, you know, the, the theory that he's a big game hunter and he plays well in those big tournaments, the majors, et cetera, it's, it's really nice. And the emotion you saw from him when he made that big putt late on Sunday, I mean, that that's what we live for as golf fans, you know, to see that emotion come out of a come out of a player, a guy that's been so close so many times. Uh, I, I loved it. I loved seeing it. It was a great tournament, a great event. I, I I was a little, at first, I wasn't a big fan of the FedEx Cup playoffs and the structure of it. But once I started to get to understand it, I love it, and I love how big field these events have. Even though you have some not-so-big names at the top of the leaderboard this past week, it, it really it's, it's a really great feel, and I'm really starting to really appreciate and love how, how this whole process plays out. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, kind of hitting on what you said about the the emotion that uh, Zalator has shown or showed. I retweeted that video for that my you know guy on Fantasy Points here, Matt, sent out early earlier today, and he just compiled all of the heartbreaking losses that he's had. And I was cool to see or to hear him go back um, on some interviews that he's had after those heartbreaks, and he just kept saying, you know, I'm really close. I'm it's gonna come. He just kept staying motivated and. Um, yeah, I guess, like I said, just happy to see him finally get there. Um, and we've seen that with, you know, a few other golfers kind of getting the monkey off their back, maybe not getting their first win like Tony Finau and Xander, but I don't know what's been going on in the last couple of weeks, last few events. Um, but we, like I said, we've really seen a lot of guys get that monkey off their back, uh, as you can say, and 
Um, I'll talk about another one this week that I'm hoping <laughs> can get the monkey off his back a little bit. But I feel I've asked everybody that I've had on as a guest over the last couple of weeks, and this is kind of leading into what I was just saying. You know, we're at the end of the PGA Tour season. If there was anything that you were going to remember, or what's your – it can be personal, but it can more just be, you know, when you, when you look back at the 2021-2022 PGA Tour season, what will be um, one or maybe a few things that you definitely will remember or – uh, maybe your favorite moments. What do you think? Um, so the thing, one of, the, one of, if not the first episode of this season on Fairway to Heaven, um, myself and Jason, my co-host, we talked about the PGA Tour as a whole. And this was before, you know, we really started seeing people jump ship to live and stuff like that. And and even with the guys that have left for the live tour, I said it early and I still believe it. And the way this season's playing out, Scotty Scheffler winning his first major, Tony Finau winning back-to-back weeks, Willie Z finally breaking through here. The PGA Tour is in great hands right now, and and until a, a Rom or a or a Rory or a or a Scotty Scheffler leaves for the Live Tour, I don't really even worry about or pay any mind to the Live Tour. The PGA Tour has so many great, great young golfers, 25, 28 and below. That gone are the days of Tiger Woods winning, you know, eighteen events in a season or guys winning back to back to back events and stuff like that. It just there's so many great golfers. There's a reason why. It's taken so long for Willie Zalatoris to win an event. Tony Fina only getting to two. I mean, you look at JJ Spawns and the Mullinexes, the guys that were at the top of the leaderboard. We, I joked about, you know, you know, they, they're not household names, but they're great golfers. You know what I mean? And there's so many great golfers on the PGA Tour right now that I, I'm excited. I said at the beginning of the year, and this year kind of solidified that statement. I'm excited about the, the trajectory of just golf in general you know, over the next three to five to seven years because there's so many great golfers out there. Yeah, I'm with you. That's such a great uh, talking point, too. I mean, we could probably compile a list of top 20 guys on tour, and there's probably 30 or 40 guys that we could really consider <laughs> uh, inside yeah. that list there. So, yeah, I think long-term, you know, 10 years down the line, when we look back at this year, Leah will probably be the biggest talking point. Mm -hmm. But, yeah, it's, I feel like we've had so many exciting events, especially over the last couple of months. I'm sure we'll get to a point, too, where Liv is just kind of, you know, it's there. It's not a big headline every week. It's just one of those things. But uh, you're right. I mean, the tour is going to be fine. Yes, they've made mistakes. I mean, that's a whole different podcast, of that's course. That's another, like, that's three more podcasts right yeah, there. Probably go for hours on that one as well. But, um, you know, obviously, we hope that they turn it around a little bit um, from the business side of things. But you're right. There's so many great uh, golfers. And I think another thing that I'll remember is how many great rookies we had this season. Uh, Cameron Young, Davis Riley. Uh, I think Ramey's really the only one that won. Well, Tom Kim, too. I mean, I guess, yeah, he won, too. He's yep. probably considered a rookie now, too. So, yeah, there's so many good um, you know, rookies. Like I said, last week, I went to that Corn Ferry Tour event. And there's so many great, you know, lots of talented guys on the tour and lots of likable guys, too. Um, that was fun to kind of watch, too. So I'm really excited to see them, uh, you know, enter their or join. I, I don't the tour. know if it's always been this way. I've been hosting Fairway Heaven for two years. And, you know, maybe maybe it's always been like this. And I just didn't notice because I wasn't like dialed into the gambling and, and fantasy aspect of golf. But golfers seem to be very engaging on social media with the fans of the sport, too. You know, I mean, yeah. we could talk about Toma, you know, and some of the big names that are out there. But a lot of the guys are actually very interactive with the fans of the sport on social media, which kind of brings in a whole new element. You kind of feel closer to the sport and to the players if you can have that kind of interaction with them. 
So the 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 lengths that these golfers are going to to interact with their fans that that's something that I love to see and is a great way to you know move the sport forward as as we go forward here. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, lots of great memories from this season. Um, yeah, I, I guess we'll kind of leave it at that. So let's move on to the BMW Championship. I'll kind of break down the course a little bit here, and then I'll ask you some things that you're considering as far as, as far as you know stats go or anything else that maybe you know uh, caught your eye or uh, brainstorming a little bit here today on the show. So uh, first off, like I said, BMW Championship it heads to Delaware this year with the Wilmington Country Club setting up as the host as the. Uh, you know, the host venue this year. This tournament does change courses just about every single year. They are going to head back to Olympia Fields in a couple of years, I read. But um, as far as Wilmington goes, the course was designed by Robert Trent Jones Sr. in 1959, and it had some renovations done by Andrew Green just a year ago due to um, some storms and a tornado that went through the area. So not only did they need to renovate it because of the damages, but also they knew that the PGA Tour was coming there uh, this year now. So um, the the uh, club features two different courses. It'll be the north and the south. It sounds like the south course will be the main one that we'll see this week. However, I do think they'll uh, intertwine the two courses a little bit to maybe match uh, PGA Tour uh, standards a little bit more. Um, as far as other points go, uh, you know, there's 91 sand bunkers. There's four water uh, hazard holes. The greens are bent grass, and they're also the third largest on uh, tour uh, the uh, century at uh, Kapalua and the old course that we saw for the open championship. Those were two slightly larger. I don't I never got a yardage on the uh, square feet average there for the open there, but I know those were massive. Uh, so I do think three putt avoidance and we'll get into your stats here in a second, but I do think these large greens will be a big factor this week. Um, and we'll kind of break that down once we're talking about these plays as well. So, Anything that I'm missing here, Phil, you do a great job of breaking down the field and the course. The only thing know, I just, can tell you is it's literally right. 20 minutes from my pizza shop, Wilmington Country Club. So, you know, <laughs> I, on the way from my pizza shop to the restaurant supply store, I get a lot of my product from. I drive by this course once a week. You know what I mean? So okay. I've seen I've never played it. It's, you know, not open to guys with my golf swing. Um, I should not be playing at this <laughs> course. Uh, so I've never played it, uh, but I've seen it. And it's a beautiful course. It's a beautiful venue. Um, Wilmington, it, it's it's really on the outskirts of Wilmington. It's not even really in Wilmington at this point, but uh, it, it's a beautiful course. And I am so excited to have a, a, a tournament local. I'm not sure I'm going to make it out there this weekend at some point, whether I go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Depends on work and all, uh, but it's it's just a beautiful venue. And the weather's going to be pristine this weekend in the Philadelphia region. There's a little bit of rain in the forecast Sunday night. Um, this far out, maybe that kind of slides into Sunday afternoon a little bit. We'll see, but the weather should be pristine. The course looks beautiful. Uh, it, it, it's just a great place, and and I'm super excited to have it in my backyard uh, this, this tournament this week. Oh, perfect. Sorry, I just see our comment here. We got Scott, of course, in the chat. Appreciate you joining in, and Wilson Dog too. Appreciate you guys. Um, yeah, well said. I, I didn't know that you were that close to the course, though. I always forget the, you know, where exactly Philly's at. I, I always – uh, for some reason, I always think it's more Midwest, but you are really close to New that New England area up there, aren't you? It's it's literally like a stone's throw away. I mean, there's a, a a tourist attraction in my town called Longwood Gardens. It's about 15 minutes from the course, and they're using their overflow parking lot and making extra money this weekend. You can park there, and they'll they'll bus you down to the golf course. So it's literally mm -hmm. like right down the road from me, and and it's one of those courses. I don't know about where you live, 
but there's a lot of private golf courses that I can't get access to around here. And I drive by them all the time. And, and I always want to play them. And Wilmington's one of those courses that I drive by so frequently. And I've always wanted to just get on the grounds and check it out up close and all. So it, it's going to be a, a fantastic venue uh, for, the, for, for the BMW, a very important event, you know, on the tour. Yeah, true. I agree with you. Yeah. And um, I guess you kind of mentioned it. You know, there's probably a bunch of things that we could say are as improvements for the FedEx Cup playoffs. But um, these are really, you know, not only are they the last events of the season, but they're like major level, uh, you know, fields. We have some of the best players in the world uh, teeing up this week. So, yeah, you know, it's probably not our dream scenario for a uh, sporting championship type thing here. But uh, I don't know. I'll ask you this, I guess. If you could make any changes to the FedEx Cup, what would you do? I don't know. I, I So my big problem with the FedEx Cup last year, and I got into a lot of disagreements with people on social media about it, was because John Rahm had such a great year, but yet Patrick Cantley got hot at the right time and ended yeah. up winning the FedEx Cup. And, and people tried to, to comp- tell me, think of it more like the NCAA tournament where you just got to get in, and then if you get hot, you win it. I want more importance put on the whole season. I want it to feel more like the Super Bowl or, or the World Series, the best you know two teams at the end. So some way put more importance – on the the points given to winners of events throughout the year so that i don't know who's had the most wins this year and where they're at you know look mm-hmm. you know will zal who, who jumped to first place in the fedex cup standings this week uh zal Torres did yeah, yeah. And, and he won last week you know what i mean and, yeah. and someone like scotty scheffler who won earlier in the season hasn't won as much now i mean he's already fallen behind so, like, if Will's, Will Zaltoris goes and finishes second or third this week, second or third next week, he's going to win because he got hot at the right time and got his first yeah. win. So I want more emphasis put on wins throughout the season. But outside of that, once people try to explain it as kind of like that NCAA tournament-type field, once you get in, that's all that really matters. It kind of it kind of makes sense to me, but yeah. I really do want more emphasis put on wins throughout the year. Yeah. I agree with you. It does suck that they really jack up these points for these events. I don't know. I would love to hear the players' takes. I've never really heard yeah. any of them complain. We just have an issue with it, you know, from a betting standpoint, of course, especially next week. So, yeah, I mean, um, I was looking at it. you. Think about it. If somebody like Tony Fino won back-to-back events, and he was only and recently he was only able to climb. He climbed after last week, but he, I think he climbed to seventh or eighth place going into the playoffs. You would think winning back-to-back events would have put him a little further ahead. But because yeah. of strength of the field and stuff like that, it wasn't. Like, I want equal importance put on wins across the board. You can have strength of field weighted for second, third, 10th, 20th place, whatever. But I want wins to, to count and mean something across the board. And that would be the only thing I would tweak about it all. Yeah. I wouldn't mind. I think, like, a match, you know, style championship or a match play would be really fun. It would just, of course, suck if, you know, you get – a couple of 7k guys as the championship is probably not the best uh you know viewing experience i guess but i I think just throughout the whole tournament it would be fun and you know we do get that in austin every year but um i don't know i think the tour definitely needs to do some um considering of you know or just some consideration of changing things as a whole um like you said you if you want to um change how many points you get for a certain win they, they have to start considering uh, making changes to something that's been the same for years and years and years now so I, I just, it just really bugged me last year that john rom in my opinion was no doubt about the best golfer of the year last yep. year i mean i think he won player of the year but yet he didn't even finish in the top four or five of the fedex cup standings last year because patrick mm-hmm. cantley got hot at the right moment and 
he won the BMW last year, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, yeah. he won this playoff event last year. So, and that catapulted him right up to the top. And yeah, it, it just, just not equal standings to, to the, to the, to the seasons that Rahm and Cantley had. And I could see it happening again this year, you know, whether it's Tony, mm-hmm. Tony Pino can come out and win this week or whoever, they can jump up that board really, really fast this week. Yeah. Well, I will talk about it here in a second. I do think it's going to be a, you know, one of these top, golfers that wins it so whoever wins this week will probably have that what is it two to four shot lead next week so this event is huge in terms of uh yeah deciding who's the winner next week so um yeah let's talk about it a little bit here so uh i will talk about or I'll, we'll break down the DraftKings salaries here in a second something i also like to ask here too phil i know you, first off how about your outright plays this year you're really killing it yeah, I, I had a, I've had a very good season on the outrights. I've got six. Um, I've come really close on about five or six more. I've had a lot of second and third place finishes for outrights yeah. this year. So, yeah, I've, I've had I've had a good run. I mean, you you know it for sure. Betting on golf outrights is one of the hardest <laughs> things to do. Um, yeah. So me getting six, I mean, I'll pat myself on the back. I, I, that's my best year. Six. I've never had six outrights in a season. So yeah. I had Ra- yeah. I had Rom Ra- and Finel on my card last week they were they were my two main outright bets last week and they both had pretty strong finishes last week yeah that's and you know really when i first got into it that's all you can really ask for is just that sweat on sunday but it is such a rewarding uh feeling and experience i guess when it does finally cash for you especially six times in a season so um yeah that's awesome that's awesome so as far as dfs goes has your strategy changed throughout the season does your contest are you still playing the same contest each week as you know maybe the last yeah, time i, mean, I talked this to you? week this week, I mean, it, as we get to the final two weeks and the fields shrink, I'm not a huge fan for fantasy golf. So I, I, know I typically play at least the 20 max entry, the $1, the, the short game. Then I do yep. some single entries and stuff like that. And I love my showdown single entries throughout the weekend. That, that's, that's my baby right there. Yeah. Um, my strategy won't change. But because there's only 70 players in the field, it's a no-cut event. Um, this week, I might trim down the amount of events I enter. Um, next week, when mm-hmm. it gets down to the final 30, I'm definitely trimming it down to the amount of entries I have. Um, yeah. When you have the no-cut events, they're, they're kind of great, but they're also kind of difficult. Uh, and when they're, sm- they're normally small fields like this. So I, yeah. I normally yeah. take a, you know, a, an approach with these you know, no-cut events where I find my top three or four guys that I love, and then I take a lot of chances. I take a lot of high-risk, high-reward type you know, builds. I'll, I'll do not necessarily stars and scrubs because you don't have to play Rory McIlroy and, and, and John Rahm, but guys I really like with two or three guys that got huge, huge upside. Um, and, and that's how I build in the no-cut events. But when you've only got 70 guys, then ownership percentages become all skewed and all over the place. And, and just the overall strategy of building a player pool when there's 70 guys – actually, there's less than 70 guys because Cam, Cam Smith withdrew already. Yeah. And I'm not sure, is, is Mark Leishman playing or not this week? Not Mark Leishman. Um, Tommy Fleetwood. I think he's sitting out again till next week, possibly. So now you got 68 guys. It's really hard to worry about and focus on those ownership percentages and things like that. So it it makes building a 20, 25 person player pool very difficult to do. So you shrink your events down a little bit, you pick your favorites out of the best, and then and then you go from there, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. And that's definitely something we should kind of hit on a little bit here. It is a no-cut event. So like I said, I'll whenever my article posts here, I finished it up a little bit ago. I said, you, you know, you're not going to have that typical Friday sweat. Like, um, you know, we're so used to um, something that's fun, but also 
um, you really need to consider when building lineups too. Like you can get down in this 6K range. If there's someone that you really like, you can be very aggressive um, and not have to worry about them not getting the full um, you know, amount, amount of points throughout the week too. So um, in these kind of events, I do think placing, you know, placement points are extremely important just because everybody's making the cut. Um, so just having those guys inside the top 10 really can get you ahead. But um, so on an you know, event like this, I would typically, if it was a cut event, you just take everything exactly the same on this event, but you have a cut on it. I'm, I'm mm -hmm. focusing it on birdies or better because you want people that are going to score. But this yeah. week, no cut. I eliminate birdie or better from my my model, and I stick to just DraftKings points. You just said it right there. Yeah. Placement points matter. You, you still get your points for birdies and stuff like that. A stat yeah. like DraftKings points makes all of a sudden a random appearance in a model this week because of the importance of those kind of things in a no-cut event. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, and it's such a different, I don't know, it's not extremely different, but um, yeah, you can really feel, you know, <laughs> still squeamish clicking on some of these names on here, but you can play some of these low, low 6K range guys and really go for that stars and scrub build because, like I said, I do think it's going to be someone, you know, priced above 9,000 that likely wins this week. It typically is a top player that wins the BMW championship regardless of uh, the course that it's at. So, um yeah, but interesting. Honestly, when you say these guys at the bottom 6K, I mean, let's let's just think about some of these names like Alex Smalley, Kurt Kitayama, you know, Trey yeah. Mollick, who was in contention. It's not like these are bad golfers. It's not like mm -hmm. a typical 150-person field where you got guys that are from the Corn Ferry Tour, seniors that are just playing on an exemption, any exempt you know, players. You know, everybody from top to bottom, they're in the spot because they finished in the top 70 in the FedEx Cup standings at this point. So they're all, even the cheapest guy who is, how many 6K guys are there? But six. Yeah, five guys at 6K even. Luke List being one of them who I hit that out right early this year. You know, it's yeah. not like these guys haven't won events or had really good seasons. So even the bottom of the barrel guys are still pretty solid overall golfers. Maybe they're not hot right now, but they're still really good plays. Yeah, high upside that – um, and no one likes playing these guys, so they're probably still going to be in that low ownership range regardless of um, their form just because that <laughs> nasty price tag. So, um, all right, let's start breaking it down here. I will get the screen share, and we'll start in the 10K range as we always do. I tweeted it out earlier. Once again, DraftKings kind of, you know, Cam Smith withdrawal definitely doesn't help it out, but they have this weird pricing wow. again uh, where now Rory McIlroy is the highest-priced golfer at 10500 yeah, $10,500. Um, it goes down to Zalatoris at 10 flat. What this is going to do is we're going to see guys hit that 20 to 30% range, not only because of that cheaper price tag, but also because of the reduced field. Like there's only 68 guys that you can click on. So naturally, you know, the ownership is going to go up regardless. So, you know, I'd, we can debate guys, but I don't think you should really pick one over the other because of ownership, um, unless one's just, you know, you're fading one because it's ridiculous. But I wouldn't be surprised if we see one of these guys touch that 30% range uh, when it locks on Thursday. So I'll throw it to you here, Phil. Do you have your eye on any of these guys in the top, um, you know, top of the DK board? Yeah, I mean, obviously I got to go with the top of it and Rory McIlroy. I yeah. mean, I had him. He was my main play, my main bet last week. I did not see his comments before lineups lock. He made a comment late last week before lineups lock that he hadn't picked up a golf club in two weeks. He hadn't eaten a vegetable in two weeks. And I kind of, I kind of, if I would have known that, I may have backed off a little bit. But this is, this is like a major. This is a big event. 
he's probably in the last 10 or 11 weeks had one of the greatest stretches we've seen in the last 10 years of any golfer. Uh, even with him being out of form last week, he just missed the cut on the number last week. And he, he was this close to making the cut last week. And I think if he would have made the cut, he would have charged up the leaderboard last week. Uh, I, I love Rory McIlroy. I, he was my first outright bet I made this week. He was 10 to 1 on DraftKings. I bet it. I know some sites have 11 to 1. He will be in my player pool, no matter how big the player pool is. He's, he's the best golfer, in my opinion, on the planet right now. I like that call. Yeah. Um, I really tried to dive deep into the three guys um, above $9,000 that missed the cut last week. Uh, Rory was one of them. You know, it's, I don't, I don't know. It's kind of difficult. I think, like you said, hearing that comment makes you feel better about playing him because it makes sense that, you know, maybe he was a little rusty. Um, I heard that he also was able to get to Wilmington a little bit earlier because of the missed cut. So he's been there. Maybe he's played a practice round or two. I'm sure he's been swinging the golf clubs much, much more now that he's uh, missed the cut. But um, the one thing that worries about me a little bit is he didn't even hit 50% of fairways last week. Uh, the driver just kind of looked off. He found the water on the ninth hole in the second round, I believe, um, and just had some kind of uh, weary approach shots too. So I think, like he said, I would probably you know credit that to – you know, not touching a golf club for two weeks, but then again, why? Way, why are you doing that? Was, he lost two and a half strokes off the tee last week, but mm -hmm. outside of that, it's been all the way since his last missed cut at the Valero. The last time he lost strokes off the tee, even last yeah. week missing the cut, he still gained strokes on approach, almost two strokes on approach, and he hasn't lost strokes on approach since the Valero. So, I mean, and tee to green, he hasn't lost strokes tee to green dating back to the Tour Championship last year. Yeah. So. I mean, he had a bad week, but he's still overall big picture. Still played pretty damn well last week. So, you know, I'm willing to I'm, – I'm actually hoping the miscut, the casual players, they, 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 they skip over him. Maybe his ownership doesn't get up to 25 35% like some of the other guys, like Will Zalatoris or, or John Rahman. Maybe, maybe you can get a steal because I think 10-5, if you can get in this field, Rory McIlroy at 10-5, and say 20% ownership, I think it's a steal. And I think it's a slam dunk play right there. I like it. Yeah, I agree. I think game theory will be interesting this week. I, like I said before, ownership could be inflated. But um, I just think one of these guys is going to squeeze like and have 30% ownership, and that will just take away from some others too. So, um, yeah, so that's Rory. He's at 10-5 there. I got to say I like – Rom this week. I really haven't said that in months, probably. I just think this course is a good fit for him. He's strong off the tee, of course. He's pretty solid with his long irons, too. He's, I don't think we're really going to see too many wedges. Uh, a lot of these holes are relatively long. There's a couple of par fours that might be drivable, at least, um, you know, depending on the tee box. But the par fives are very long. They're all over 580 yards long. Like I said, I do think um, long iron play is going to be important, and that's just where Rom typically excels. So um, he looked pretty good last week, in my opinion. He kind of snuck into a backdoor top five, um, but he gained strokes on approach, gained strokes off the tee, had a pretty couple of rough putting rounds. I think he turned it around in round four. Yeah, he was solid on the greens in round four, which is, again, kind of what <laughs> Rom has been doing recently. He'll have a really great round four, and it makes it seem like he was somewhat in contention, but – um, I don't know. I, I mean, before last week, I kind of had, a, you know, you know, liked Rom this week just in this kind of event. Uh, he won in 2020, of course, on a different golf course. But 10-3 for John Rom. I, I do think he'll probably be the, you know, the highest 
price or sorry, the highest owned guy just because he did so well on Sunday and everyone saw it. And there might be a little bit of, uh, you know, Willis Alatoris can't win uh, narrative out there as well. So what do you think of Rom this week? Well, I love Rom. I loved Rom last week. He was he was one of my bets. He was in a lot of lineups for me. And I, I watched I zoned in a lot because I said last week that John Rom, I mean, let's be honest, he's not had as great of a season as compared to last year. But he still had a pretty darn good season. People think that John Rahm's dropped off, and he has by the high standards he put up last year. But he's still playing pretty damn solid golf this year. And, you know, the one concern I got about John Rahm, it's not his putting overall. It's just, So I, I built my model this week, and I put three putt avoidance in it. And, mm-hmm. I, and when we get to the playoffs here like we are now in this no-cut event, I've kind of trimmed. I think it's really important, the super most recent form. So I just got my model based off of the last last 12 rounds. I normally do 24, 36 rounds, something in that range. I got over the last 12 rounds. In the last 12 rounds that he's played compared to the field, he's 67 out of 70 guys in three-putt avoidance. So that's the only bit of concern. I will play him. I did bet him also outright, but he might not be as many times clicked as someone like Rory for me. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, I think that's a very fair point. I really do think three-putt avoidance and – Live putting, just putting from 25 plus feet is going to be extremely important. I'm never really big on putting stats, but I was for the open championship and that really paid off because those greens are massive. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, the two the two biggest greens on, um, like I said earlier, on tour are uh, Kapalua and uh, the old course. So we've seen this season and of course, Cam Smith won both of those. So I had this great tweet ready to fire out today that said, you know, <laughs> that fact alone and then i see that he withdrew of course so um yeah i was really going to talk about cam smith he was probably going to be my favorite guy i kind of was a little shocked that he was um the top price guy but he did play well last week and it does seem like a lot of these salaries are kind of based off of um you know everyone's performance last week so a couple other guys here justin thomas wills out taurus um i'm not going to be on jt again i Talked about it last week. His injury concerns kind of scare me a little bit. I don't, he looked fine last week, but he just hasn't been as sharp as, you know, the JT that we're typically used to seeing. And I do think Rom is just a better play than him this week. I think McElroy, you know, is a better play as well. So it's not like I, you know, don't think Justin Thomas is going to, you know, finish inside the top 20 by any means, but I just think those other three guys in this 10K range are better than him. Um, and Zalatoris, like I said, too, I, I'm interested to see what people do. Are people going to feel, you know, major FOMO if they didn't play him last week and he's going to be the one that hits that 30% own? Because I do think this course is a good setup for him as well. It's kind of similar to uh, the, the uh, uh, Torrey Pines, um, where he contends pretty well each year as well. So um, any thoughts on these two guys in the lower 10K range? Yeah, I mean, something about Justin Thomas. Like, I mean, obviously he, he won a major this year, but it just seems like something's not there with him right now. There's just, there's just something missing. Something's not clicking. Um, and at that price, at the ownership, I, I just I think you get better value for your money with Rory and John Rahm, obviously. Will Zalatoris, again, I know he just won. But we'll, I'm, we're going to learn a lot. All I'll say about Will Zalatoris is I won't be playing him this week. But we're going to learn a lot about who he is, the golfer, and, and how he rebounds after a win. Because you do have to rebound after a win. He's a young guy. That emotion that came out of him. Will he be able to just put that aside and travel right away, right from you know last week, get up to you know Wilmington, Delaware? Will he be able to be ready this week? And, and I just don't know. And when I'm only going to have 10 or 12 guys in my player pool this week, 
somebody's going to have to be the guy that gets the boot. And mm-hmm. It's taken him this long to win one time. Very rarely, I mean, does Tony Fino won back-to-back, but how many guys really win back-to-back weeks on the PGA Tour? Very rarely. And, and yeah. for him and his price and his ownership, you're going to need him to finish pretty darn high in the in the field this week, and, and I just don't think he can do it. Yeah. Uh, I haven't made my mind up on Zal Torres yet. I've... <laughs> I, I feel like I'm stupid saying what I say about Will Zalatoris, no. but it's just I just can't have the confidence that he can do it back to back weeks. That's fair. Yeah, I agree. I just think it's a good course setup. I, I don't know. I'm going back and forth on what I think the winning score is going to be. It's been you know minus twenty or lower. I think six of the last seven years. Um, but I have read a little bit that they kind of want to get away from that, especially in this big type of event, which I completely agree with i'd rather see that minus four score that we saw two years ago rather than minus 27 last year so um yeah i mean that's the thing with Zalatoris. if it's in the minus 15 range like it was this last week that's probably a great setup for him if it's in that minus 25 range i would not i wouldn't touch him and i i didn't at all before uh last week because i didn't think those birdie fests in the midwest were a good setup for him but you know, like we saw that minus 15, minus 10 range, even, you know, which a lot of the majors are, um, which he contends in, of course, that's kind of his sweet spot. So um, any other thoughts on the 10K range here? No, I mean, the, the final thought is that you could say any of those four names. And yeah. I, I, you, you can, if I say I'm playing Rory and Rahm and you say JT and Willie Z, we both are right because there is not a bad play in that 10K range. I'm actually surprised. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can say about the 10K I'm surprised there's not more names in the 10K, honestly, at this point. I know yeah. it's a small field, but I, I think there's a couple other guys in that 9K range that could have been priced right up there with these 10K guys. Yeah. I'd rather have them extended, you know, up to 11,000 and really make people, you know, make decisions. So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It'll be interesting. Um, I don't know. I'm not really playing too much mind into ownership. Uh, yeah. Honestly, think, I'm kind of ignoring ownership this week. I, I won't lie. Yeah, I just think Ross, you can get different by how you build. You know, a lot of people think the only two ways to build are stars and scrub, scrubs or bounce. But you can kind of mix the two together, like play one guy in the 10K, play one in the nine, play one in the eight, couple in the seven, maybe fill in a six or something or three in the eight. You can get different other ways than just – because I've made the mistake so many times this season of just fading guys due to ownership alone. Um, and that's just got me in trouble. I know that's kind of the strategy at times, right? you got to stick to your strategy. But right, just, tell you, I've said it about 100 times on my show and other places. I, I, I hate the term pivot just to pivot because of ownership. Yeah. If you like somebody, forget about the ownership. Find other places to make up some value financially in your salary cap. Do not pivot just to pivot. And that's I stuck to that strategy almost the entire year. I had a three-week stretch about a month and a half ago that I struggled, that I started buying into other people's you know, philosophies on pivoting. And as soon as I got off of that, I'm back to it. My philosophy is stop pivoting just because of yeah. ownership. It is not it's, – it's not necessary. Yeah, like I said, there's, you said it too. There's other ways to get different. I'm not saying that you can't play 5%. Guys, that's how I – you know, Absolutely. Win, I mean, I right? play but, Sean O'Hare every single th- – I'm the 0.1% that plays Sean O'Hare every time he's in the field. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so I don't know. I'm with you. I kind of struggled for a couple months, and I just thought back. I was like, why did I do better when I first started playing this? Well, that's because I didn't give a shit about ownership at all. I was just clicking on names that I liked, and, you know, maybe I would cash sometimes, and I've learned a lot, obviously, since then. But, right. um, yeah, I'm done fading, guys, just because of ownership alone. There's got to be other reasons. So. Yep. 
Okay, cool. So that was the 10K range there. We have quite a loaded range. Almost, yeah, just about every number is used in this 9K range. There's a lot of guys here, lots to go over for time purposes. Give me a couple guys that kind of um, catch your eye here this week. Yep. Um, and then we'll I, I've got two, and I think both of them should be 10. I think one of them should be right around 10, 10, 1. And I think one of them could be considered at 10, 2, 10, 3. Um, and that's Patrick Cantlay and Tony Finau. Uh, Tony mm-hmm. Finau, I, I just don't know how you don't. He's probably, in my opinion, I think he could be the highest. We, we just talked about not worrying about ownership percentage. Tony Finau could and should probably be the highest known guy in, in yeah. the field. He's the hottest golfer on tour at the moment. And last week, what did he finish in? Tenth place, eighth place. What was his final finishing um, spot? I know you. Yeah, I got it. Uh, five. Fifth place, and he had like the worst week in the last month or so. Like he did not look. <laughs> Really good. He still finished in fifth place last week. Uh, there's nobody better than Tony Fino right now. He's a great approach player. Great, probably one of the best tee to green players on tour. And he's scoring lately a lot of DraftKings points, obviously because of his wins and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So I love Tony Fino. And the other name, Patrick Cantlay. I know he finished 58th place last week, 57th place, something like that. Did not have a good week at all. Yeah. But we know what Patrick Cantley's like in the playoffs. Before last week, second, eighth, fourth, third. His, his last whatever event, second, eighth, fourth, 13, 14, third before last week. So the guy's playing great golf, quietly playing great golf. And I think last week's finish, I could see in the from 9K up through the top of the board in John or Rory McElroy. I think Patrick Cantley might be the lowest owned guy in that 9K all the way to the top. Early yeah. projections on my site here have him as the lowest right now. Really? Um, okay. I love Patrick Cantley right now. Um, I think you can get some really great value. I, I don't know. I've, I don't think I've ever said $9,900 in value. I think you can get a lot of value at $9,900, Patrick Cantley, this week. I like that. Yeah. Um, I'll have to kind of look at it, some of his proximity numbers, but he's just an all around great, you know, balanced golfer. I don't I have any of those proximity things in my model this week because there's no yeah. course history and there's a little data and, and it's the playoffs. I, I've adopted a philosophy last week, this week, and I'll do it again next week, and that is stick to the basic stats. Approach, off the tee, tee to green, mm-hmm. putting, because it'll be important yep. this week. Yeah, I have a little bit sprinkled in with uh, with the draft king points and three-putt avoidance, but 85 90% of my model are the four or five key stats, basic stats. And nobody's better. One, no, Very few people are as good as Patrick Cantley lately uh, on those courses and uh, those stats. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, he's going to be overlooked for sure. There's just a lot of great names around him. I do think Scheffler's just going to be clicked because of his price tag. He's He hasn't been in the nines in months, <laughs> you know, really since before his wins likely. So, um, yeah, I think Scheffler's just going to be really popular. He was another one, like I said, that I did a little bit of a deep dive. I don't think his mis- miscut was really that bad last week. He, he lost like four-stroke putting in round one um, to start him at – uh, one over par, and then he just missed the cut on the number. You know, you said it with Rory, too. He missed the cut on the number, two. That cut was, you know, very close to being minus one last week, and we wouldn't be talking about these guys as negatively as we are. So, um, yeah, if that cut just goes a little bit different, maybe Scheffler you know, doesn't have that bad taste in your mouth as much. But, um, yeah, he just lost a bunch of strokes putting in round one, and then he found water in round two on hole nine. That really – screwed up his approach stat as well 
you know, if you find water, like that will send you down a couple strokes in a certain stat. So not all, you know, strokes gain approach stats or that kind of stuff in a single round are the same. Um, just kind of depends what specifically happened. Sometimes you can lose. He lost 1.4 strokes on approach just on one hole in round two. So um, otherwise, he would have probably had a much better round two. Like I said, would have made the cut to um, – there's no way Scheffler misses two cuts in a row here in the playoffs, in my opinion. He's just been too good. Um, and who knows? He could also be like Rory, where he didn't play much since the Open, and um, now he's in Delaware just getting ready to go. So um, I do like Scheffler this week, too. I just think his ownership's going to be too high. But we just talked about it, right? I'm not going to fade due to ownership. So. Well, you, you mentioned you know missing the cut and all, and, and you, you said Rory showed up pretty early at Wilmington. I mean, I don't know if you caught it. There was footage of – I don't know if it was on Saturday or Sunday – Scotty was still at the St. Jude, working oh, on the right. range there. So he okay. didn't head yeah. right from Memphis right to Wilmington. So in that sense, I kind of like Rory a little bit more than Scotty this week, just mm-hmm. because he he left, you know, last week South Southwind last week and headed right to Wilmington Country Club, whereas Scotty hung out a little bit, stayed with his friends a little bit more, worked on the range there versus the Wilmington course. So it's just one of those little details that I saw that kind of make me want to play a little bit more Rory than Scotty. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, good calls. So a um, few other guys here in the range. Um, I, there's so many great plays, right? It's hard to really pick and choose. Uh, I do like – I just kind of like the balance build a little bit because there's a lot of win equity in that upper – or sorry, lower 9K range. Um, Colin Warkow, of course, Fitzpatrick is probably one of the highest floor plays with also a very high ceiling as well. Um, Ju Young King fi- or Kim finally gets that uh, – price increase to 9,000. So I do think he's going to be overlooked just a little bit because of that sticker shock. But I do want to talk about Hovland a little bit here for as much crap that he's gotten this season about, you know, losing strokes around the green. He's not going to have to worry about it when these greens are massive, kind of like what they were at St. Andrews where he did so well. Um, and so I don't think he's really going to have to scramble a whole lot just due to how great his irons have, you know, just are in general. Um, he's unlike Rory. He's been playing a lot since the Open Championship. He played a lot um, overseas in Europe there for a little bit. <laughs> All of his pictures, he was um, like dressed up in a coat and stuff because it's cold over there right now. So he's been playing a lot recently. I liked him a lot last week. I'm not going to get away from it all this week as well. I do think his ownership will probably start to increase just because he's been doing well recently. But I like Hovland. There's just so many great names in this um, salary range here, this 9K range, that I think it's going to be relatively flattened, uh, minus maybe a couple guys like Scheffler and Fina. I agree. And, and if I was doing my typical 20-plus lineups, and I had a 22-24 player player pool, I, I would have a lot of Victor Hovland in there. I would have a lot of Colin Morikawa. I've been high on him in big events. I know he hasn't had a, a great season, but I was all over him at the U.S. Open. I was all over him last week. Just these bigger events, the, these, these stronger fields, he still seems to find a way to the top. But I'm, I'm keeping my pool pretty tight and small this week, and I'm just yeah. finding you know more value in playing, say, Rahm and, and Rory – you know, maybe female and then skipping over the rest of this and just getting into that you know, eight and seven K range where it, cause if you're going to play those 10 K guys, you, you still got to find some balance in your lineup. So I just like the Rory and the Roms a little bit more than the victors and the, and the Fitzpatrick's and the Xanders this week. Yeah. I like that. And I, I'm not yeah. sure if I can get to Tom Kim. I know he's everybody's <laughs> favorite golfer right now. I just don't know yeah. if I can get to Tom Kim at nine K just yet. I'm not sure if I'm ready for that. Yeah. And he's been playing well on, courses where 
you know, accuracy is really important. You don't need distance as much. He, I swear he pipes it down the fairway every single time, but it'll be interesting to see if he can contend on a course that's much longer than the ones that we've been seeing him play on, uh, you know, recently here. So let's look at this 8K range here. We are running out of time just a little bit, so we will move on. Um, I'll start at the top here. I like Cameron Young. He's probably my favorite play this week, like probably many other people, but he ranked, you know, right next to Wills Alatoris in ball striking last week. He just had pretty rough uh, performance around the greens. He lost strokes there and just could not make any putts until the final round. So, um, you know, he's probably my next go-to after Zalatoris, right? He's, I mean, he's been in contention so many times this year. Um, seven top tens, like it says right there. He's literally finished runner-up for my, uh, or me, with me having an outright on him multiple times. So, um, I don't know. I just don't think see how I can get away from him. I know he wasn't great through three rounds last week, but he finally found some momentum on Sunday. I think he shot a 66, and uh, I can pull it up here. But I also believe that he gained strokes in just about every uh, major stat category. So I do like Cameron Young quite a bit. He's finally back in the 8K range um, after having, um, you know, being near the top of the field for quite a bit. So um, any thoughts on Cameron Young? And then I'll kind of throw I mean, it to you. Why not Will Zalatoris wins one week? Why not Cam Young gets his first win the second week? I mean, exactly. I, 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 could, I could see it right now. It's, it's way too early to really look into ownership percentage too much um, yeah. because there's not enough data out there from people to build it. But early ownership percentage has him tied for the second highest ownership percentage right now this week. Okay. Yeah. So, I mean, and I know we're not playing ownership percentage cards this week, but, you know, I, I could see that being a reason not to play Cam Young. But everything mm -hmm. you said about him is 100 percent accurate. I'm more looking, though, at, at Jokin Neiman and Max Homa in this range. Yeah. I know people are going to say, you know, Max Homa hasn't been perfect lately, uh, but 8,500, I love him. He had a really good week last week. Considering he had awful course history last week, mm -hmm. Max Homa making the cut and making you know some noise last week was great. And, and, and Jokin Neiman has been my guy this week. When I'm not sure and I need a safe play, yeah. Neiman always seems to be that guy I go to. Um, mm -hmm. And I love balancing lineups out with Joachim Neiman this week. So they're the, they're the two guys that I'm probably going to have in my player pool in this 8K range. I like that. Um, Homa's just been – I've been staying away from him because he's – again, with this last week, he's lost strokes with his irons in four straight weeks after gaining strokes on approach in like 10-plus. <laughs> so I don't know what's going on there. He's doing fine in every other stat category. But uh, he does get quite the price increase this week. That's the first time I've – looked at that 8k range too much at least from a salary perspective so uh but i do like your neiman call a lot uh he's been playing well on those courses had those larger greens as well he had a decent finish at the open championship finished oh never mind he's just t53 so not great but um let's see how did he do at kapalua real quick he finished oh gosh um i don't have it pulled up here did he yeah, I'll look later. Um, but, uh, yeah, like, I don't know. I like Neiman quite a, uh, quite a bit as well. For some reason, he seems to be overlooked quite a bit recently too. But you said it. He's just a safe play. He's a great ball striker. He's going to have the distance that I think will come into play a little bit this week too. And 8-6 for a high floor like that is a great play, especially in cash too. But, but he has that high ceiling upside. Like he can easily go out there and win this event. So I think that's probably – where I'd stop as far as guys that I can actually expect to go win. Maybe Hideki goes out there and, you know, shocks us a little bit. But I think Neiman at 8-6, maybe Homa too at 8-5, right? That's probably where I would stop as far as thinking about guys that can go out here and uh, cash an outright for you. So 
Um, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I Like I said, Hideki just seems off to me. I, I just mm-hmm. – I have no confidence in him at all anymore as a golfer, and I, I, that's crazy to say. Um, I just can't get behind it. Something seems off on him mentally. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know. Ever yeah, since yeah. he got that DQ, was it like four, three or four events? Was that the Open? Did he get no um, before the Open? Memorial, I think. Yeah. Ever since that DQ, I don't know. He just hasn't seemed all in yeah, at an event. Yeah. And I just, I can't trust him. And when I'm building a lineup, if I can't trust you, when you're building lineups, you got to trust your gut. Yeah. There's all yeah, these stats yeah. out here. There's a hundred podcasts that you can listen to, but you got to trust your gut. I, I just don't trust it with a decky anymore. Um, so <laughs> until I see it. I'm a very visual guy. I watch a lot of golf. When I see something on the course on TV, then I could buy into you again. But right now, I can't buy into Hideki at all. Yeah, he was fourth at the U.S. Open back in June, but since then he's missed and cut uh, with Drew at the 3M and T68 at the Open Championship. So hasn't been good. And like we said earlier, I mean, he's probably going to be brought up this week as a pivot, you know, because he's going to have like eight percent ownership. But does it make sense to do that? Yeah, you know, no. it doesn't. <laughs> Yeah, not to me. I agree. So, and who knows? I mean, especially with the health concerns too. So, yeah. um, anyone in the low eight K range here? No, I'm pretty much staying away from it. I got, I got, I, I got so much investment in the top top play that I've mm-hmm. kind of stayed away from this range a lot this week. I yeah. mean, Tyrell Hatton. I mean, he's 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 so volatile, but in a no cut event, you don't have to worry about it. Yeah, Aaron true. Wise and Adam Scott. I mean, they're you can make a case for them. They're just they're not just not on my radar this week. Yeah. Scott played pretty well in the final round last week. Um, I wish I would have put like a top 20, top 10 bet on him because he had to do well to get inside the top 70. I think he was right on that line heading into Sunday. So I know, I mean, that's kind of a unquantifiable thing as well, but um, do you look into that at all? I guess looking at point standings and think, you know, say this guy's in 43rd position, he's got to do well this week. Does that? Yeah. I mean, if I understood exactly how it worked, like I I don't know all the details, like if he's 47th, what does he have to do to get Mm -hmm. to the top 30? Like it's just so crazy how many birdies affect it and how many pars affect it, how many bogeys. There's so much that goes into it. I just need to know that somebody's going to be able to, like this week, if you're outside the top 30, depending on how far outside the top three, you just got to hope that you got to think that they got to get top 20, top 10, you know, Mm -hmm. to really have a shot. So I don't really play into it too, too much. um, Just because there's so many different complexities that go into it and all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, (laughs) I agree with you on that. Well said. You understand how it works? Because, I mean, I know I could Google search how it works, but it seems like (laughs) it's such a complex process and every swing is playing a factor in it. I just think it's, I think it's too much. To take into it and all. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, especially from a DFS standpoint too. So, okay, um, okay let's move on to the 7K range here. We'll kind of cut it in half. We'll look at the upper 7K range here first. Not a whole lot of guys. There's only one, two, three, four priced above 7.5. So, um, I'll start here with Cam Davis. I just think he's continues to be underpriced for how well he's been playing recently. Um, of course, he can be kind of, you know, weary with the driver, of course. And I, I haven't really made my mind up on what these fairways are going to really play like for these guys. But um, they look somewhat tight to me. But I do think hitting out of this rough is much easier than hitting out of the Bermuda grass rough that we saw last week. But uh, Cam Davis has five straight top 16 finishes um, at T16 or better. 
Um, and he's at 7.6 K here. He's, you know, we all know how great he is off the tee. Obviously, you know, distance is one of his strong points too, but he's gained strokes and approach in just about all the last 15 events, except one where he was slightly negative. Um, just been really solid recently. I also think he's going to be relatively owned too, just because he scores a lot of birdies. And if you look at his, you know, last five events, he's been doing really well. So, what are your thoughts on Cam Davis this weekend? Maybe give me a couple of guys. Number one favorite play in the seven K range. I, you stole it. Basically, everything you said, just replay it with my voice in the background because <laughs> you're spot on on everything. And and I expect him to be right around twenty percent owned this week, yeah. which is a lot for a seven K guy. Mm-hmm. But with this field, the amount of birdies he's going to have, and you don't have to worry about a missing cut. Not that he's missed many cuts this year, but you don't have to worry about him missing the cut and blowing up. And if all he's got to do. You know, True. It, say he's like in 30th place on Friday or 50th place on Friday. There's nothing that's going to stop a guy like Cam Davis from getting hot on a Saturday and firing off a 63 or something like that. And then just vaulting up the leaderboard, scoring you a boatload of DraftKings points, yes. which he's 10th in the field in the last 12 rounds in DraftKings points, I believe. Yeah, 10th in DraftKings points um, in the last 12 rounds. So the guy is going to put up numbers this week, and he's going to score you a lot of points. And and that's what the, the name of the game is, right? Team that yeah. scores the most points wins. So you want a guy like Cam Davis in your lineup. And I think that the ownership is validated this week with him. Mm-hmm. I agree. And he's been, you know, we think of him as such a birdie scorer, but he's actually been pretty well in bogey avoidance recently too, which makes sense for his uh, finishes. But he sits 51st in FedEx points right now. He needs a good finish to land inside the top 30 going into next week. So, uh, yeah, you could probably roll with that as well. I'll just kind of take a stand here. I do think he's going to be like 25%, kind of like what we saw with Henley and Connors last week. Like this 7K range just – it gets chalky <laughs> every week. So. Uh, all right. So um, any other guys at the top of the sevens here? Or are you kind of really That's the going only guy I'm playing. I'm skipping those other guys. I mean, you can make a case for Russell Henley yeah. or uh, Brian Harmon had a really good week last week. But I just don't I, – I, I prefer a couple of the guys at the bottom of the 7K range over the top seven. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I'm pretty much it's, – it's Cam Davis and below in this range for me. Yeah. Harmon, I'm not really on too much. Last week made a lot more sense. It was a shorter course, but I do think you're going to need distance to have somewhat of an advantage this week. And he got a massive price bump too. Uh, Henley, yeah, I missed the cut, really burned a lot of people, including myself last week. But, uh, you know, he's going to rank at the top of everyone's, uh, you know, source game approach, um, you know, stats. And just, I mean, t- he just plays well. He, I know he missed the cut last week, but he seems he's typically a safe play. That'll be more of an ownership thing for me. Um, I don't want to touch him if he's, you know, 15, 20%. I know we're talking about ownership a lot now, but um, yeah, not for me. And um, Horschel, maybe he also missed the cut too. Might be a good bounce back opportunity, but I'll go to another guy like Davis Riley, who is another, you know, golfer who you, scores you, a you lot do of You do like Davis Riley. I do. Yeah, I do. Okay. Yep. I've been playing him a lot. I, it's more maybe a fan thing at this point, but well, no, uh, I got an interesting question for you because I brought this up a couple weeks ago that I kind of feel like Davis Riley peaked this year mm-hmm. because sure. Davis Riley had a stretch fifth, ninth, fourth, thirteenth, thirteenth, where early this year in the springtime and early summer he was playing great. Then he's yeah. kind of gone thirty first, sixty fourth, a couple missed cuts. He had the thirteenth at the Wyndham, then thirty first last year. I keep trying to figure out is Davis Riley just peaked as a young golfer? And he just needs the offseason to refigure it out because I, like you, was playing a lot of Davis Riley, and then he kind of plateaued a little bit and kind of fell backwards a little bit this year. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. Uh, he had those two missed cuts uh, during the Midwest kind of swing there that really were not good. But I think a couple of them, or both of them really, I think could be attributed to a couple of really bad holes. For some reason, he likes to score triple bogeys <laughs> um, or he just does it, you know, every event almost. It seems like that can really throw you down quite a bit. So, um, yeah, I, you know, you're probably right. He probably has peaked. Um, do I think he's going to go out here and win? Definitely not. But he's a birdie scorer. Um, you know, two straight made cuts. Now I know making a cut doesn't mean anything this week, but um, you, I, yeah, you know, we've talked about placement points mattering, but you're right too. You know, drafting points in general are just going to be important because you're going to have to score. You know, you're going to have to do well here. So, or you're going to have to score to do well here outside of uh, the placement points too. So, pretty score there. I do like Riley. I also like Pendrith quite a bit too. Similar to Cam Davis, he can be a little bit shaky off the tee, but. He didn't look great last week, but I don't think that was as good of a course fit for him. I think, um, you know, if your fairway accuracy was much more important last week than I thought going into it, too. So what are your thoughts on Pendrith and, you know, maybe this lower 7K range? I, I, I like Taylor Pendrith a lot. Um, Taylor Pendrith, you know, what you said, uh, you know, you say he's not that he's a little shaky off the tee, but I mean, he hasn't lost strokes off the tee since the Genesis. I mean, I know he hasn't played 100 events or anything like that, but, I mean, he's played really, really good golf. And I think his 68th last week, the smaller field this week, maybe his ownership comes down back to earth a little bit. I want guys that are hot right now. That's why my model yeah. is 12 rounds. I want guys that are in peak form at peak time right now. And Taylor Pendrith, I think, is is one of those guys. I really like him, and I really like JT uh, posting for the same exact reason. Mm -hmm. You think about it in his last six events, a second, a first, a miscut, 11th, 21st, and 20th. And Pendrith, who came back down to earth in a deeper field to FedEx last week, JT Poston, deep field. Like you could say, oh, well, some of his great finishes were in the John Deere and stuff like that were weaker fields. Well, he finished 20th last week to FedEx. So, yeah. you know, JT Poston played really well in a deep field last week. And he's, now that now that Cam Smith is out in a, a withdrawal, in the last twelve rounds, he's the best putter in the field, and yeah. fourth in or third in three putt avoidance. So, you know, if it comes down to everybody's hitting these greens because of how how big they are, mm -hmm. JT Poston is going to have the best shot at lag putting and making saving par or making yeah. that longer twenty foot putt to make a birdie. So I like Pendrith and I like Poston at the bottom end here a lot this week. Yep. I like that. Yeah. Poston, I mean, he's just been a showdown king, it seems like, for the last few events. Um, doesn't hit every time, but when he does, he is near the top of the uh, the points there. So, like your Poston call there, I also like Digala. There was a point last week where I thought this is going to be another, you know, Digala week where he finishes T2 and it has a heartbreaking I was, loss. I was, I was kicking like myself in the butt for he was one of my last cuts from my list, and I was thinking the same thing. Same with me, and I yeah, I had those same feelings. Like, man, I could be so close, but um, something happened in that second round. I think he only finished even par after you know having a share of the lead, I believe, at some point. So, but another guy makes a lot of birdies. Been very, very consistent throughout the year. Uh, I think we'll see him on tour for years to come. Uh, I do like Digala. Otherwise, Mito actually, Mito was one that I like ranked really well for me last week. Um, but I just didn't get there because I didn't really know <laughs> how he, you know, was at least as far as form goes because he hadn't played since the Open. But looked solid last week. I'll have to look at stats a little bit deeper. But at 7.1, he ranks really well for me, um, at least from a stat perspective. But that's looking a little bit more long term. What do you think, Amito? 
I don't know. He was like, I was so excited just to talk about Mito all year long, and he had mm-hmm. a really good start to the season. And he's just, I, don't know, I seem to get Mito wrong. And, and we're, we're all superstitious people when we're gambling and doing fantasy. Mm-hmm. You know, Mito's just one of those guys, for the betterment of the rest of the DFS world, I just stay away from Mito because when I play him, he bombs. And, and, and mm-hmm. I just, I, I can't get Mito on the right week. And honestly, yeah. just the eye test again lately has just been, just, just not been there for me on Mito. He just seems like a different golfer. I don't want to use the word peaked, mm-hmm. but and I, and I don't care that he missed four straight cuts. That that doesn't. It's it's not just that. It's yeah. how he's missing the cut, kind of mm-hmm. in my opinion. And and last week even he didn't putt great last week, even though he finished forty second. He was okay off the tee. I, I just can't. I can't. I can't get into Mito this week at all. Yeah. Yeah, he did what you needed to do. He gained, you know, a bunch of strokes on approach, but he just was not good in all the other aspects last week. So um, 7.1, that's pretty solid. He was uh, low-owned last week, too. I think he'd be a good leverage play down here. But, yeah. Um, so we're getting towards the end of the show here, Phil. I don't want to take up all your picks, especially in this juicy 6K range. Give me two to three guys that you'll probably be sliding into your lineups as a last guy in. Well, I got two guys that are definitely – I don't even know if they're the last guys in there. Two guys that I'm going to feature in my lineups. And I've also placed two half-unit outright bets on them. So I think they're odd. I mean, the odds of somebody winning in this range, slim to none. But you kind of got to take some long shots occasionally on your betting card. Um, yeah. Wyndham Clark and Emiliano Grillo. Um, first off, Wyndham Clark. I've talked about it on my show a lot lately. Clark used to be a kind of guy in years past who only played in weak fields. And, you know – he, he, he would have good finishes in those weaker fields. Uh, but he's a different golfer, in my opinion, this year. Um, mm-hmm. He's shown the ability to contend. He hasn't won yet this year, but he's shown the ability to contend in good tournaments. He had 28th last week. And that was, you know, he, he played better than that, honestly. I think he had one. Was it Friday or Saturday? He didn't have a really good round. Um, but outside of that, he played really mm-hmm. well last week. Um, so I'm yeah. a big fan of Wyndham Clark and his game, the trajectory of his game, big picture even going forward. He's one of those guys that I look at that next year could win two events, maybe at least one, but maybe two events and Emiliano Grillo, uh, you know, yeah, he missed the cut the open, but he had two second place finishes around that finished 31st first last week, at the FedEx he's hot at the right time. And that's what I keep talking about. I want guys that are hot right now. And Emilio Grillo is one of them at 6,600. Um, he's one of the top putters in the field, one of the top off the tee guys lately in the field approach t to green all that he's doing everything at the same time right now and at 6600 you know I, I, i'm a big fan of Emilio grillo this week mm-hmm. I, I think you could get some really good value and both of them are 150 to 1 on draft kings this morning mm-hmm. so i like them both a lot and i got great odds on them as well so they're the two guys that i'm attacking in this range i mean there's a few guys you can go at but they'll be the two i attack in this range yeah i like it um you know, Emiliano gets so much crap for not being a good putter, but he's lost or he's gained strokes in um, four straight events with the flat stick. Um, looking at his career overall, he's lost strokes putting in all but one season in his career. So um, good to see that he's kind of turning around with the putter. He's always been a great tee to green guy. But, um, yeah, I think you're right there. Great ball striker, too. I guess it's kind of his main um specialty or his his strength so i like that call quite a bit clark too he's been just playing yeah you're right he's been playing better on difficult golf courses is he a different golfer i mean i really firmly have that phrase and theory in my mind that he's just somebody different yeah i think so too i mean he's not 
you know, an 8K, 9K guy by any means. No, but no, he's no, a no, no. consistent. He's been playing well recently, really. Um, even on courses that I didn't think would be typical Wyndham Clark courses by any means. So, um, yeah, like your calls on that quite a bit. Um, and I think, too, it just you got to get birdie scores in this range. Or, like, especially if you're playing GPPs, you got to have these high ceiling, you know, go with your gut plays because it doesn't matter if they – they can't miss the cut, so they're going to get four rounds regardless. Um, say they just get hot and, you know, go eight under par for one of those rounds, uh, which a lot of these guys have that upside of doing. Um, I think that's what you need to be looking for instead of a safe play like a, oh, who's like a Bezadenhout who's really, you know, good at making the cut right, but, you know, he's more of a, a low floor or a high floor guy than a high Listen, ceiling guy. Might I don't have Furries or better up, but I got DraftKings points in the last 10 round, 12 rounds. Zudenhut's 56 out of 70 guys. But then you look at somebody like Taylor Moore or Trey Mullinex, yes. who are both in the top 10 in DraftKings points. Yep. So you don't have to worry about missing the cut. You don't need the safe play. You can go mm. anywhere. You just want the guys that are going to score. Yeah, I like more again this week. I'm, I've been bad at like just going off of plays that did you know above average for me last week and just trying to get you know almost wanting to play someone different. But uh, more, he went down in price. Uh, I think he played pretty well last week. When I first saw his ownership, I almost puked because I think it was over 10% in uh, the contest I was playing. But he's really kind of snuck inside this top 70 um, over the last couple of weeks, and he had a good finish last week. He finished oh, uh, T31, which is you know not too bad in a good field like what we saw. So, um, yeah, he's another birdie scorer. He's been playing really well uh, recently. I'm not going back to Mullinex. I only played him last week due to his course history. However, he also has been kind of a different golfer over the last month or two ever since his win. Um, otherwise, I don't mind Alex Smalley. Um, I know he missed the cut last week, but I actually like Kurt Kitayama this week, and I should have brought it up when I was talking about Rom. Um, he played really well at the Mexico Open, which is another course. No similar similarities as far as, like, the grass surfaces goes, but it's another course that was very long, that had long par fives that required a lot of long irons, and that's why John Rom went out and won that, other than the fact that it was a pretty weak event. But, uh, Kitty, uh, yeah, Kitayama finished second in that event. Um, he's got some high upside, and he is the bare minimum in price. So I'll probably be getting to Kitayama last week, or, uh, this week. I think he missed the cut by a sh uh, just a stroke last week. It wasn't great by any means, but um, I think this is a little bit more of a better course setup for him. So any you know dart throws here at the 6K range before we get out of here tonight? Uh, dart throws. I mean, like I said, mm -hmm. I got those two bets. I, I agree with what you said on uh, on Kitayama. And Smalley's yeah. always my guy in weaker yeah. field. Um, just maybe not in this field per se. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know. I think you, again, you just want to, if you're going to throw a dart, all I'm going to say is if you're going to throw a dart in this low range, look at the guys that score drafting points and look at the guy, the guys that, you know, make the most birdies. That That's all that you could say. Like I said, I like yeah. Clark and Grillo. You you bring up Mullinex and, you know, Taylor Moore in these names. You just want the guys that are going to score. Kitiyama's a guy that's always on people's radars for first round leader and stuff like that. The guy comes out hot and then sometimes just falls off in later rounds. Yeah. As long as he has a decent finish, he's going to score you one or two rounds. He's going to put up points, you know, and a massive amount of them. So, especially in showdown, to get him right in the right, right, right showdown, yeah. the right day of the week, and, and you're going to do really well with Kitiyama. So, I, yeah. I, I like those, those decisions there a lot. 
Yep. And I'll just throw out Stallings here too. He's got the most top tens in this range. Another guy that can just pop. And he was playing great before last he week. Was, a bunch of top fifteens there. Um, so I could see people just kind of jumping off him, and I, that might be a great. I guess kind of maybe I did too because I've had outrights on him three straight weeks now, or four yeah. straight weeks. I had him at the Deer, the Mortgage, and the Wyndham, and last week, all in my player pool with heavy usage and stuff like that. And I shouldn't jump off of him so quickly. He just, I don't know, something. I, I just saw some eye test again last week with him. He just kind of, kind of just looked a little different in my mind last week. Yeah, it wasn't good. Lost strokes, uh, ball striking for the first time since June, which was kind of um, was one of the reasons why he was doing so well. So, um, yeah, and hey, that should have been a better course fit for him too, because he's not bad on approach. So, we'll see you this week. Uh, maybe I'll get there. I guess uh, we'll just kind of have to see as the week goes on. So, anything else you want to say about the event, about the field? We uh, we're going quite quite a while here, so I appreciate you staying on kind of late here tonight for me. No, you're good. Um, you know, I, I really think. You know, I started the philosophy last week. I didn't hit an outright last week, but I think the winners are going to come from the top of the field. There's just you're you're just not going to see a Wyndham Clark or a, yeah. even going into the seven K range. One of those guys probably win it. So take your chances in your DraftKings lineups. But on your outrights, yeah. I, I did it last week. I shrunk the amount of outrights by several several players, and I just. John Rahm or Roy McIlroy, that, that's, that's, where, that's where the win's going to come from, in my opinion. Yeah. Find, yeah. find a way to get John Rahm and the best guy in the 6K in your lineup. You know what I mean? Like, Wyndham Clark and John Rahm, put the two of them in there. Or Grillo and Rory, and then build out around there. That, that's, that's how I'm going to take building lineups this week. Yeah, I agree. I think those are great calls. Um, are you trying to and... build a lineup right there? <laughs> well, I'm just trying to see, like, I think my kind of – rosters construction this week will be fitting in maybe i'll get i mean rom's just expensive i guess but there's just like all these guys in this 9k range even the upper eight like they have so much more win equity than trying to fit in two 10k guys and then you know filling it out the rest with these 7k plays which are all i mean these 7k guys there'll be a few that pop but i just think like you'll have more guys inside that top 20 range if you're picking you know going more balanced here in the upper nine or lower nines upper eights there but Again, it all comes down to how they play, of course. But I just like knowing you have that win equity of fitting in. You know, I think Cam Young has just as good of a chance to win. And maybe not Cam Young. He's not the best example. But Neiman, I think he's got just as good of a chance to win as Sam Burns does or, Absolutely. you know, Fitzpatrick, for example. So they're both great plays. It's just uh, I think salary does kind of play a little bit in these uh, loaded fields. So I agree with you. Cool. Well, thanks for coming on here, Phil. I really appreciate it. Again, you can find him on Twitter at Beard and Knowledge. You can see that in the tag there. Um, you know, Fairway to Heaven, that'll come out tomorrow night, correct? Yep. 9 p.m. tomorrow night. Jason and I will be uh, continuing this conversation, basically. Cool. Yeah. Shout out to Jason. I'm definitely going to have him on as a guest sometime. Maybe I can get the uh, the duo on together, too. So really uh, reverse roles a little bit here. So um, anything else you'd like to plug here before we get out uh, you know, I mean, get out of here obviously, um, check out DSM Media on, on yeah. YouTube. We're trying to build the YouTube page. We get a lot of views on our Twitter and Facebook page, but we're trying to build the DSM YouTube page, which is also another place you can find Fairway to Heaven. And I do a great morning show every single day, 8.30 a.m., trending in the a.m. It's basically centered around Philadelphia sports, but basically I don't write the agenda until I, I, I wake up in the morning every single day. What's hot? Today we talked about Fernando Tatis and that whole thing that broke tomorrow. 
I got a guy from USA Today coming on just to talk NFL as a whole, not just the Eagles, uh, Neil yeah. Poulon. So, I mean, we, we cover all topics across the board, and I'm really proud about my, my morning show, Trending in the AM. So, yeah. you know, we even catch on golf sometimes when there's live news and stuff like that <laughs> and hot-button topics. So, I'm really proud yeah. of the Trending in the AM show, 8.30 AM, Monday through Friday, every single day. Yes, make sure you check it out. Make sure you follow Phil as well on Twitter. You will not find you know many more people on Twitter that is pushing out as much content as you are. So you are another one of those content kings, man. You do a great job. So, um, of course, again, appreciate you coming on here tonight. It was really fun hey, to break congratulations. down. Congratulations. The honeymoon was great and the weddings and the marriage is going well, my friend. It's great. Any advice for me? Um, she's always right. <laughs> I'll write that down. <laughs> All right. Thanks again, Phil. Good luck, everybody. Thank you for tuning in here tonight. We will see you all next week for the Tour Championship. And make sure you check out Fairway to Heaven tomorrow night at 9 Eastern. Have a great night, everybody, and good luck this week.